uh, we were working with the youth at the at uh, Open Amherst Open Bible Baptist Church, and she was in the youth group, and uh, for the last maybe couple of years there. And uh, my, but my wife has known her a lot longer than I have, so uh, she's telling people around if you want some interesting stories, uh, you can see her after the service. But uh, anyways. Yeah, there you go. I knew there'd be at least one. So anyways, it's, a, it's good to be here and we want to get into God's word tonight. Uh, so why don't you take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter number 20. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 20. And we're going to read a few verses here and then we're going to jump over uh, as well to the book of James. Uh, but 1 Samuel chapter number 20, uh, we're going to read the first three verses. And it says, And David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said unto Jonathan, What have I done? What is, mine hand, uh, what is mine hand iniquity, and what is my sin before thy father, that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but uh, that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David sware moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth uh, that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not uh, Jonathan know this, lest uh, he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as, my, as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And let's just uh, flip over to the book of James for just a moment. And uh, read, a, read a verse there and you'll get the thought that I'm going with tonight. Uh, James chapter 4 and verse number 14, a well-known verse, you likely could quote it. Uh, but it says, Whereas ye know not uh, what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And so what I want to preach on tonight uh, is uh, this, this phrase really back in 1 Samuel that David said uh, that even as, as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And you know, our lives are short. There's not a lot of time left. And, and uh, this morning, uh, Brother Caleb, he, he preached on Christ in you. Can, you can do some things because Christ lives in you. But you know what? We don't have a lot of time left. Uh, even a normal lifespan, say, uh, say if you reach 100, it's not a long time. In the, in the grand scheme of things, uh, 100 years is not a long time. And so we don't have a lot of time to do some things. But there's a lot of Christians who think, ah, oh, you know what, uh, I, I'll do that tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll serve God tomorrow. I'll get right with God tomorrow. I'll, I'll accept Christ as Savior. You're not saved here tonight. There's a lot of people who would say, I'll accept Christ as Savior tomorrow but you know what time is running out time is running out uh, uh, we may be just one step away from death and with that life your life is like a vapor you know that uh, that picture that's being shown there uh, that kettle and you you know the the steam that's coming off of that that kettle it's there and in a moment it's gone that's our life it's so short and so what I want to preach on tonight is, is a, a few things that we need to consider because our life is a vapor because there may only be one step between me and death, between you and death. And so why don't we open in a word of prayer and we'll get, uh, we'll get into things here this evening. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it says. I thank you for what it can teach us. And Lord, I, I pray that you just help me as I preach tonight. Lord, I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. I need your help. Uh, guide my words and my thoughts. I pray you'd work in each one of our hearts, myself included, here this evening. Lord, as we consider our lives and how short they are and how little time we have to take care of some things. I pray you put a hedge around this place, keep anybody that want to do us harm away from here. 
And Lord, we just want to hear from you tonight, and I pray you'd speak in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we think about this thing of just a step between us and death, you know, the first thing that you need to consider here tonight is your eternal state. Your eternal state. You know, like I said a moment ago, uh, many people when they're confronted with this thing of salvation would say, oh, no, no, I don't need to do that today. Uh, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. I'm going to go and do the things that I want to do today. And then when I'm done doing all of those things, then I'll get this thing right. We've got to consider our eternal state. You know, that, that verse, our life being a vapor, we don't know. If you're here and you're not saved tonight, you don't know if you're going to make it out those doors tonight. You have an opportunity this evening to trust Christ as Savior. And you know, it's not rocket science. It's not a complicated thing that, uh, to, to be saved. No, it's a simple thing. And you know, you've heard the verses, uh, John 3.16, the greatest and most well-known verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's as simple as that. You need to consider your eternal state and consider that there's a God in heaven that loved you that much, that he would send his only Son to die on a cross. To be, I, I like this cross back here. I, I like that with the, the, the bark and all those things on there. And uh, I, I like that. But our Savior was nailed to a tree like that. And, and uh, that, that only begotten Son was given for you and for me. You know, I, I've asked this question many times and I've been preaching before. I, I, uh, you that are parents here tonight, would any of you, even on your children's worst day, give them for somebody else's life? And nobody... Nobody raises their hand. Nobody would say, I'm gonna, I would give my child uh, to die for somebody else. But God did that for you. God did that for me. We need to consider our eternal state because, because our life is short. And you know what? People say, you know what? I've considered that. Uh, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to walk a hundred old ladies across the street, and that's going to get me into heaven. Or I'm going to give millions of dollars to charities. That's going to get me into heaven. You know, that's what the uh, uh, celebrities think today. You know, I'm just going to give all this money to charity. It's going to look good, and that's going to be great. It's going to, my good's going to outweigh my bad. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You, you can't give enough money. You can't walk enough old ladies or open enough doors for people to get yourself into heaven. You need to consider your eternal state. You need to consider where you're going to go if you were to die today. Whether you would go to heaven or you would go to hell, and that's a real place. You know, there's a lot of false teaching that's out there today that would say hell is not a real place. Well, hell is a real place, and our Bible tells us about it. It's not just some separation from God. or well, It is that, but that's not all that it is. It is a real place that you're going to go to if you don't accept Christ as Savior. You're going to, you're going to go there and have eternal torment, eternal darkness, and you'll remember this opportunity that you had to accept Christ as Savior. We have to consider our eternal state. And you know what? There's only one way. There's only one way. John 14, 6, Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is one way. And you know what? Today's the day. Today is the day. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day. I plead with you tonight. If you're here and you're not saved, consider the Savior. Accept Him. Accept that free gift of salvation. Consider your eternal state today. Because you may be one step away from death. So not only do we need to consider our eternal state, we've got to, as Christians, we've got to consider our current progression. Our current progression. You know, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. You know, I'm going to quote a lot of scriptures here tonight. A lot of them are uh, are well known to you. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. Bear with me as I get there myself. You know, at home I, I preach and I use a lot of scriptures and I put them in my notes. And my wife says, you've got to slow down. Give us an opportunity to turn to those things. That's what I'm doing for you tonight. You should be happy. All right. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what? Us as Christians, are the things of God the first thing that we seek? You know, when you wake up in the morning, uh, is the first thing you desire to do get into God's Word? You know, is that, is that high on your priority list to consider uh, heavenly things? It ought to be. It ought to be. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. I like coffee. I know uh, this is the one area where uh, Brother Caleb and I maybe don't see eye to eye. Uh, I love coffee. He doesn't like coffee so much as you probably know. But I like coffee. And you know what? When I wake up in the morning, uh, I go to the coffee maker. You know, we have a couple of uh, Springer Spaniel dogs. And when I get up in the morning, the first thing I have to do is let them out. Because otherwise we're going to have some problems. And so I let them outside. And then we get the coffee on. And the next thing I do is open up my Bible. Because I need those things for the day. You know, uh, you know we, need to, we, we ought to want to grow in Christ every single day of our lives. It shouldn't be something that's just on the back burner, uh, something that we do if we get the time or, you know, any of those kind of things. No, it should be seek ye first uh, the kingdom of God. We ought to be continually growing. And you know what? How many times have you gone through a day and you read your Bible in the morning and something happened and whatever you read, whatever God laid on your heart that day directly helped with the thing that you were going through. That's happened. That's happened to me, and I know it's happened to others. But you know what? If we don't seek first the kingdom of God and, and those things, how, how are we going to be equipped for the attacks every single day? You know, the devil is on the attack. He's as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so if you're, if you're out there where you know that there's lions, wouldn't you want to have a nice high-powered rifle with some bullets in there? You know, you can carry your Bible under your shoulder everywhere you go. But if you've never opened it and hid those words in your heart, you've got a gun with no bullets and a lion coming after you. You've got to consider your current progression. Are you any closer to God today than you were uh, a year ago at this time? Consider your current progression. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, Mark chapter 8 and verse number 36. Mark 8 and a verse number 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know what? This world is messed up when it comes to priorities. The church is messed up when it comes to priorities. 
Christians, they want the next best job, the next best vehicle, the next best, uh, the next tier in their bank accounts, whatever it is, and they're seeking after the things of this world rather than seeking first the kingdom of God. This world has programmed us to be that way. You know, they, they've, they've, they've put a desire in everybody's heart right from, uh, right from the beginning. It doesn't matter uh, whether it's billboards, it's on TV, it's everywhere. You've got to get the next best thing. You know, it's, uh, whenever I think about this, uh, we bought a truck back in 2017. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's a GMC Sierra. Thank you, Lord, for Chevrolet products. And uh, we bought that truck in 2017, and it's been a good truck. But you know what? Over the time, the dealership I bought that truck from, they'll send us these letters that says, uh, we want your 2017 Sierra base model crew cab four-wheel drive. Exact amount. We have a demand for these trucks. <laughs> Imagine that. A 2017 Sierra with 180,000 kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles. 110 something maybe. Anyways, they have a demand for that kind of a truck. So, and, and oh, it just so happens we have all kinds of brand new ones that you could come in and buy, you know. You, you just come bring that in and we'll sell you a brand new one. Well, I have news. I have one year of payments left on that truck and they're not getting it back. I'm driving that thing. I don't need another 10 years or whatever it is of payments. I don't need that. But you know what? It comes down to our, our progression. Our progression. Are, are we seeking the things of God or are we seeking the things on this earth? We've got to consider it. You know what you're not going to do is you're not going to progress very far with a, with a 10-minute Bible reading and a 2-minute prayer time every single day. You know, Brother Caleb, he showed me those, uh, uh, some here, the calendars with your daily Bible reading. I like those. Those are good. But if you're reading those things just to check the day off and not getting anything out of God's Word, how's your progression? Not getting anywhere. You're just doing it out of a formality. People come to church. He said it this morning. People come to church and they read their Bible and they dress the way they dress because they, that's just the way we do it. Well, if you progressed in your Christian life, it's not just going to be because that's the way we do it. It's going to be because Christ is in you, like he said this morning. You know, we've got to consider our current progression. You know what else we have to consider is our earthly relationships. Our earthly relationships. In Mark chapter 11, verse number 25. Mark 11 and verse number 25, we'll turn over there. <clears throat> Mark 11, verse 25, and it says, And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And we'll read verse 26, But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, uh, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. You've got to consider your earthly relationships. You know, how many times have we heard of church splits or, or different things that have got on because somebody's mad at somebody else? You know, there's, there's, there's been uh, some splits that have happened, yes, over doctrinal things and compromise and things like that, but the amount that have been split over color of carpets, or you know what it's going to be? I don't know if it's, it's not, probably not like this here, uh, but I was saying this recently, a bunch of uh, the churches in Nova Scotia were starting to get some air conditioning, praise the Lord, in those buildings. And you know what the next thing the church split's going to be is over the temperature on the heat pumps. <laughs> you know, the, the, and uh, you know we, we, in our church too, my mother-in-law will tell you the same thing, she was mentioning it earlier, 
you know, some people have uh, blankets. There'll be one row has a, a, a fan on full blast. The next row has a, a, a skidoo suit that they get into during the service. We haven't gone that far yet, but uh, exaggerate to clarify, right? Uh, no, they have blankets and all of those kind of things. And that's what's going to be the next church split is what's the temperature on the heat pump? Well, it's going to be cool. That's what I'm going to say. We'll, we'll keep it comfortable. But you know what? That's what it's like. You, you've heard stories of, of churches that have split because somebody wanted green carpet and somebody wanted blue carpet. Well, then they got their faction together and they took off with those people because how dare they have green carpet instead of blue carpet. Or you've heard the stories of, uh, of the ladies who have come to church and, you know, 20 years ago, one of them looked sideways at the other one. And for 20 years, they haven't said a word to each other. You know, one comes in the door over here and one comes in the door over there and they sit on op- opposing sides and they'll glare at each other till the other one starts to turn and they look away and that one starts to glare for a while. And I, I read this story about, uh, about one preacher this happened to and he, he came and took that church and, uh, and the la- he noticed there's something going on with these ladies. Like, what are these ladies doing? You know, that one's staring over here and he, he goes to one and he says, you know, what's the problem? What's the problem? And she says, oh, you just, you just don't know how bad that other lady is, how evil she is, and all the things that she does. And so he just left it alone. And He goes to the other one, and she says the same thing. And he thought, man, there's something weird going on here. He said, well, we're going to get them together. I'll call them into the office. So he calls them into the office and, and gets them together and says, well, what was it that was so bad that you've been fighting like this for 20 years? And they looked at each other and went, I don't remember. I don't even remember what the problem was, but they've been holding that grudge for 20 years. For 20 years. You think about that verse here. When ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. We want God to forgive us. We, we, you know, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we've got to, we've got to check, we've got to consider our earthly relationships because there may be some things like that that we're harboring in our hearts that are that are making us live in defeat every single day of our lives because we just won't forgive somebody and you know what it doesn't say anywhere in there that that person has to come and beg you for forgiveness for for you to forgive them I learned this a long time ago when somebody does something against you you can you have two choices One is to hold a grudge and let it defeat you every single day of your life. Or the other one is to forgive them as Christ forgave you and move on. You know what? If we would just get a hold of that and consider uh, those earthly relationships. You know what? He died on the cross knowing. Christ died on the cross knowing that we would stab him in the back. That we would reject him. That we would, we would uh, reject multiple offers of salvation. Some people would die and go to hell rejecting Christ. Yet He still died on that cross. He still died for all of our sins. We ought to follow Christ's example. Consider our earthly relationships. You know what else we need to do? It kind of goes right along with this. Is what we need to uh, consider our, our heavenly confession. Consider our heavenly confession. You know what? Why do we hold these things? Why do we hold sin in our lives? 
Why do we, why do, we do all of these kind of things and, and, and live miserable every single day? You know what? Do you want to go out of here tonight and stand before our Savior with a whole bunch of sin and, and grudges and all these kind of things in our lives? If we were called out of here tonight, would we be ready to stand before our Savior? Would, would, we, would we have a whole lot of things? Oh, I was, I was going to confess those things tomorrow. Why wait? You know, a preacher told me a long time ago, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. You know what we do if we don't do that? Is we'll just let that sin continue on in our lives. We'll forget it's even there. We'll get used to it. But He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Why do we wait? 1 John 1.9, as you know, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The key is, if we confess it, why, if He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us, why do we hang on to it? Why do we harbor those things in our lives? It's because we're proud. We don't want to go. We could go before our Savior who wants to forgive us our sins, but we've got this thing of pride in our lives. We don't want to admit that we've done something wrong. You know, especially us as men in here tonight, we, we tend to not like to admit that we were wrong. To our wives, to our children, to the people around us, to our Savior. That's just something. But you know what? It's not just men. Ladies, the same thing. Ladies, the same thing. Our heavenly confession. It's so simple. It's so simple. Proverbs 28 and verse number 13 Proverbs 28 and verse number 13, it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Them shall have mercy. It's so simple. It's so simple. Just confess them. Don't hide them. What would you rather do? Would you rather prosper or have God's mercy? Not prosper or have God's mercy? I want God's mercy in my life. Don't cover up the sin. Just confess it. He's not going to go, oh, not this time. That's not going to be a response. That will never be a response. Oh, you know what? You've done that a hundred times. Figure it out on your own. That's not going to be God's answer. No, He's always going to be faithful. He's always going to be just. He's always going to forgive us of our sins. All we have to do is ask. Back to that thought of a step between us and death. Like I said a moment ago, you want to go out of here tonight with a, with a large list of sins that you have not confessed and stand before our Lord? I don't want to do that. Consider our heavenly confession. You know what else we need to do? I, we've got to consider our, uh, our lackluster service. Consider our lackluster service. You know, there's uh, a lot of times in churches there's just a handful of people who want to get involved. And they want to do things. And they want to be involved in this ministry and that ministry. And, and they want to be uh, going full on for God every, every single day. And there's some who come and they just sit in chair. And that's all they want. And they come into church and they, they, if the pastor asks them to do something, they're like, nah, I think somebody else is going to do that. I think this person's better suited to do that. I just want to sit here and, uh, you know, with that bless me if you can kind of attitude, and, and I'm not worried about it. 
I'm just going to sit in my chair. That's, that's how I show my faithfulness to God. I fill a pew. That is not faithfulness to God. That is not faithfulness to God. We've got to consider our lackluster service. Back in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, and uh, verse number 24, uh, the Bible says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. You know, it says with all your heart. And you know what? He didn't have to put that last part of the verse on there. But He did. Consider the things. Consider how great things He's done for you and I. You know, the very fact that you're sitting in a church tonight, able to hear God's Word, even able to accept Him as Savior, consider how great things He's done for you. Y'all don't want to serve the Lord. Y'all don't want to get involved. And you say, you know what, maybe I look around the church and really there's nothing that uh, I could do. Have you ever asked? <laughs> Why don't you go to your pastor and say, hey, pastor, I just want to do something. Do you have a job that I can do? You know what he might say? Is you, why, why don't you take the job of cleaning the toilets? And then we're like, of course. <laughs> he gave me the job of cleaning the toilets. Well, you know what? Clean them with all your might to the glory and honor of God. You wanted a job. Do the job. I had a guy uh, in our church. He, uh, they, they just started coming in the last year and a half or so. And this family's been growing a lot. And he came up to me one, one day and he said, You know what, Pastor? I want a job to do. I want a job to do. So I thought, You know, well, I, I got to find this guy a job. And so the lawn needed to be mowed. So I gave him that job. And our lawn, we have a little property. A decent sized building. It's a, uh, it was built in 1910, I believe. And it used to be United Church of Canada. And they, they closed up because they were doing nothing. And so we got this, uh, we got this building. And the building uh, pretty much fills our property. We have a little parking lot on the side, a little patch of grass on the back, and a little patch of grass in the front. Not like 10 minutes to mow the lawn. And I said, man, i got to find this guy a job. Well, I gave him the, the job of mowing the lawn, and he's been there every week mowing the lawn because he wants to do something for God. And you know what? You may, uh, you may not have to just mow the lawn or, or clean the toilets for the rest of your life. You show faithfulness and make, make sure your service isn't lackluster, and you'll move up the ranks. You show that you can be trusted and you want to be faithful and you're doing it for God. You're going to move up the ranks. You've you, you got to start somewhere. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there in your hands and do nothing and then stand before our Lord someday and He's going to say, well, why didn't you take that job to clean the toilets? What's the answer going to be? <laughs> oh, someone else could do that. I wanted somewhere to stand in the spotlights. Well, I'll tell you something. Those are hot. <laughs> okay? So clean the toilets. If you don't, if you don't like the, uh, the spotlight, you know what? It shouldn't be about the spotlight. It shouldn't be about the spotlight. It shouldn't be about the position or the title that you hold. It's about serving our Lord. You know what? We're nothing. We are nothing without Christ. So if I can clean a toilet for Christ, hallelujah, I'm going to clean it to the best of my ability. That should be our, that should be our desire. You know what? You think, about, uh, you, you think about some people in the Bible. There's some who, uh, as soon as they met the Lord... They went and did something right away. Right away. You know, I think of the lepers there, that leper that was, uh, that was healed. And Jesus even told him, don't go and tell anybody about what's going on here. Don't, don't tell anybody. 
But he went out and proclaimed it through the whole land. And everybody came to see Jesus. This guy, he was healed, he was made whole, and he ran out there and told everybody. He just couldn't keep it inside. He didn't have some lackluster service. No, he went out and proclaimed it through all the land. What are we like? You know, if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, and you, you've accepted Christ as Savior, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be able to keep that inside. It should make you want to do something. It should make you want to go stand out. And you guys do the street preaching ministry. It should make you want to go out in the street corners and preach Christ to people. You know, if He's moved into your life and made a change that only He can make, that should make you want to go and tell somebody else. You know what? You don't have to, to live on the streets anymore. You don't have to live in defeat of drugs and alcohol and all these things. Accept Christ as Savior. And see what He can do in your life. Do something for Him. we got to consider our lackluster service. What's holding us back? What's holding us back? What is that excuse that's popping into your mind right now? You know, in our church we stand out in the streets with Scripture signs. That, that's pretty easy to do. You know, you might get somebody honk their horn at you. A lot of times that's in a positive thing. They honk at us all the time. And they wave at us. That's nice. Sometimes they don't use all their fingers. That's not so nice. Uh, and sometimes they yell at us. But you know what the funny thing is? When they're driving by at uh, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour, uh, you know, they yell at you and all you hear is, wah, 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 and they think they're like, yeah, we got them. And we're like, <laughs> you know, what's stopping you from doing something? What's easier than holding a scripture sign on the side of the road? There's nothing easier than that. You can do it. <laughs> but you know what? Not everybody in our church does it either. Oh, they got, oh, I can't do that. There's this or whatever. I, you know, I, I just, I get so upset when somebody looks at me sideways. I could never stand out there. You know, I, I, you, we've heard the excuses. But you know what? We can do it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's my life verse. I love it. And we can do it. You don't know a whole lot about me, but I'll tell you that uh, as a teenager... I used to sing in, uh, sing in church and quartets and stuff like that, and I hated it. <laughs> I could not stand uh, in front of people. They, they, they wouldn't just give me one sheet of paper. Uh, I had to have a book, because if it was one sheet, it would just be shaking the whole time, and it would be terrible. But I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, 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 am, I am very nervous <laughs> standing up here preaching God's Word. But I can do it. Through Christ. I can serve the Lord because He gives me the strength to do it. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's going to give me everything, he need, everything I need to do what He's told me to do. What's holding us back? The last one I want to look at tonight. You know, with this one step away from death, our life being a vapor. You know, I think about our praise, our inadequate praise. I came from a church, uh, the, my upbringing, I, I grew up in an independent Baptist church, uh, but it was one of those, if somebody even said amen, the whole service stopped and they looked at them and said, what, what are you doing? <laughs> How dare you interrupt the service? But you know what, I, I, I don't see, uh, I, I see a totally different instruction in God's word about our praise, you know? Psalm uh, 154 and verse number 3. Psalm 154 and verse number 3 says, Great is the Lord, 
and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. Then the Bible is full of verses about our praise. It's full of uh, how-tos on how we ought to praise God. You know, you read through the book of Psalms, and you know what? Uh, those people would say, oh, you, you should be quiet. Or, or I praise God on the inside. I used to hear that. I praise God on the inside. <laughs> I'm not sure how you could, uh, how, how uh, he should be greatly praised. How can you keep all that inside? I don't know how you could do it. And you know, you, you go through this, uh, you go through the book of Psalms, but I remember uh, one of my uh, previous pastors, he said, you know what, now down here, we have an opportunity to practice what we're going to be doing for eternity. And you know what, if we were to stand before God tonight, how's your praise? <laughs> would you be able to, would, you, would it be a foreign thing to you to say amen? Would it be a foreign thing for you to shout hallelujah? Would it be a foreign thing for you to raise a hand to God or wave a hand? I don't know, whatever you want to do. Would it be a foreign thing to praise God how He's told us to do it? If you were to stand before God tonight, would you have had any practice in doing that down here? You know, Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. You know, I've heard this excuse lots of times. I can't sing. Sounds like uh, somebody's trying to kill a cat or something like that. I could, there's no way I could sing. Well, does it say that you have to be vocally trained and an expert and, and a, just a beautiful... No! Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know what? I like music. Music is something that I love. You know, before the service, some of the guys were up here practicing some songs. And I love that stuff. But you know what I love is when somebody gets up and they don't care how prim and proper and perfect and every note is... But they have the touch of God on them. That's what I like. That is what I like. And you know what? That's making a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, this one gets, one gets people sometimes here. Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4. It says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I, lift, I will lift up my hands in thy name. You know what, this was something I remember when I, when I grew up. If you did that, you'd be thrown out of the church. <laughs> There's no way. You raise your hand to God, <laughs> they'd be like, man, that person's Pentecostal. Get them out of here. Next thing you know, they'll be speaking in tongues. No, we're doing what God has told us to do. <laughs> we're doing what God has told us to do. And you know what, it gets confused sometimes when uh, maybe it's, uh, people say, oh, it's for show and all these kind of things. No, if you're praising the Lord, there's nothing wrong with that. He tells you to do it. People who, people who are critical of that kind of stuff, they need to get in their Bible and read it. Because <laughs> that's a command from God right there. <clears throat> I will lift up my hands in thy name. You know what else we need to do is praise Him with instruments. Over in Psalm 153-5, it says, Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed uh, instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud uh, cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And I love how, that you guys have this, uh, the orchestra in here. We have, uh, we're, we're getting some more of that. We have uh, 
piano players and a couple of guitar players and a couple of the kids are learning some more instruments. So we're looking forward to how that's, uh, how that's going to go. But you know what? It just says to, to use those instruments. You know, some people, they'll wait. They'll wait forever. Oh, I'm just not good enough yet. Uh, I'm, I'm just not ready yet. Well, why don't you jump in and just do it to the glory and honor of God? He'll, he'll, he'll be happy about that. He'll love that you're trying to put in the the best effort that you possibly can to praise Him with your instrument, to use the ability that He started and He's honing in you to to praise and honor Him. Our praise is inadequate so many times. So many times. But you know what? We're in church. We're comfortable sometimes. We're comfortable praising God. We're comfortable saying amen. We're comfortable playing our instruments. But you know what? What about when we're out in this lost and dying world? Are we comfortable praising God then? Do you know what it says over in uh, Psalm 108 in verse number 3? Psalm 108 in verse number 3 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. You know what? You ought to do it in public. You're in a store and you've gone in there and you know how the prices have gone. It's a little not quite as bad here as it is in Canada. But uh, prices of things have gone through the roof. And you come into the store and you're dreading walking up to the cash and you're dreading getting your grocery items. And you walk through that store and all of a sudden that thing that you desperately needed is marked 50% off. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's what our response ought to be. You do it in public. You know what? We're a peculiar people, right? As Christians, that's what the Bible says. What, uh, what better thing could it be for you to say, praise the Lord, this is 50% off. And somebody goes, what in the world are you doing? Well, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm praising my God. You know what I found here in the United States, uh, more so than Canada? <clears throat> I go around and t-shirts I wear, they'll have some Bible verse or something on the back. And, you know, some of those different things. And uh, I have one just says in big letters, Jesus saves on the back of there. And they're all laughing because I got them to make me one. I got my wife to make me one the other day, and I wanted it to be a little crooked just to draw attention, and she doesn't like it. But anyway, <clears throat> you know what I found in the United States? Man, I, I've had so many people come up to me and be like, that shirt's a blessing. Uh, thank you for wearing that shirt. Thank you for the message. that You will never hear that ever in Canada. It's not going to happen. But you know what? We ought to praise our Lord in public. And people, maybe it's not so bad here, but in Canada, if we were to shout out praise the Lord in the grocery store, they might kick you out. I don't know. But there would be some crazy response, that's for sure. We get some attention, and we might have an opportunity to show somebody our Savior. We ought to praise the Lord in public. It'll give us some opportunities. And you know what? Everybody is responsible for this. Uh, Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything, everybody. You know, sometimes it seems like in churches, there's specific praisers. You know, you've got, uh, a lot of times it's the guys on the front rows, you know. They're going to praise the Lord, and they're going to say amen, and they're going to shout every once in a while. And then uh, some of the middle-aged or older people sitting in the back sometimes, they're like, oh, those kids up there in the front. They're shouting again. They're standing up again. They're doing all these. Everybody, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We're going to stand and give an account of what we've done. You want to stand before God tonight?
And he says, well, when's the last time you praised me? <laughs> and you go, well, I don't know, maybe 2010. I'm not sure. You know, we, we ought we to oughta, uh, oughta praise the Lord. We ought to consider our inadequate praise. You know, there's a time in my life where I was like that. When I was, when I, like I told you, my, my upbringing. I remember the first time I was around some people who actually praised the Lord. Where I actually saw God move in and was, was, was doing a work. And you know, altars were full. People were making decisions and, and letting the Lord lead and doing all these things. And I remember uh, the place where I was at. And I was standing in the back corner and I had my back up against the wall. And I said, what? is going on here <laughs> what what have I got myself into I quickly realized that I was the one wrong <laughs> they were get they were doing it right they were meeting with God we ought to consider our praise are we praising isn't he worthy isn't he worthy of our praise you know if, if he the only thing he did was give us salvation that would be more than we deserve isn't that enough to praise him for isn't that enough to praise Him for? So we looked at six things tonight with this thought in mind of one step away from death, our life being a vapor. We talked about our eternal state. And again, tonight, if you're here and you're not saved, don't wait. Don't go outside these doors today without getting that right, without knowing the Savior, without knowing for sure that you're on your way to heaven. And you know, once you know that for sure, it's secure. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Nobody can pluck you out of God's hand, not even yourself. Amen. Get that right tonight. How are you progressing? Are you holding a grudge against somebody? Are you keep, keeping some sin in your life? How's your service? How's your praise? Some things we need to consider this evening. Because we may stand before our Lord before we walk out these doors. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I urge you to consider some of these things. He is worthy. <laughs> he is worthy that we would do all of these things to the best of our abilities. So let's, let's pray and, and consider tonight. If God's worked in your heart, you know, why don't you come and just lay it on the altar. <laughs> Give it to Him. Ask Him. Lord, maybe you say, I'm good. I'm good. I, I got all these things. You know, I say amen every once in a while. You know, I'll, I'll pick up some Kleenex on the ground every once in a while. <laughs> I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. There's nothing I need to change in my life. Why don't you come and ask him? <laughs> When's the last time you asked God? God, is there some area in my life that I need to get right with you that I could just do a little bit better? Consider those things tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it says. And Lord, I pray now as we, uh, as we turn the service over to Brother Caleb that uh, if there's something that needs to be uh, taken care of tonight that people would come and get those things right. Lord, I pray especially if there's someone here who's not saved, Lord, you'd show them their need of you tonight that they wouldn't leave this place without accepting you as Savior. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for what you've done in hearts already this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.